Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the nine to five mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to Creative Income. I'm your host, Lars Lindstrom. I'm happy you're here. It's been a really exciting month for Creative Income. A lot of new listeners. Um, I think we just we broke our record for uh, the most downloads in a, in a month over the last 30 days. So thank you, guys. You're, the, the word of mouth, uh, talking about the podcast and uh, everything seems to be really be working, and I, and I appreciate it. Um, today, we have uh, a really great guest. I've, I've been a, f- a friend of Pascal's for almost as long as I've been shooting. I mean, about eight years I've known him now. I actually met him as a Steadicam operator, uh, brought him onto a couple of my shoots, and then I texted him one, one time, one day, you know, hey, man, are you available to come steady op for this uh, commercial? And and he uh, responded back, no, I'm actually not opping anymore. I'm, I'm being a, a DP full-time now, and, and he's really made a name for himself. Um, he does a lot of commercials. He does a lot of music videos. He also does feature films as well. So Pascal's a, a, a bud. We go mountain biking now together. This episode we actually recorded a year ago. I've been holding on to it. You'll notice that we talk some numbers specifically about uh, camera values near the end, and things have changed a lot in the year since we've uh, I've been holding on to this episode, um, which is it just made me laugh going through this editing. So you'll 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 see when I get there. But uh, basically, you know, we were saying Alexa Mini LFs were selling for like seventy five grand, and they were a year ago. But now I've seen them for like fifty two to fifty five, something like that now. So things have changed a lot. Obviously, the strikes didn't help that. Interest rates didn't help that. So uh, anyway, have a great time, guys. We'll recap at the end. Pascal, thanks so much for being here, man. I, I appreciate your time. Uh, and do you want to just start off and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. So my name is Pascal. Uh, Pascal Film. <laughs> um, so I'm a DP like yourself. And uh Actually, I had an, a unique route in that uh, I started my career uh, at UPenn as an economics major, uh, which you know might be a, a good a good uh, intro into this uh, economics of filmmaking podcast. Yeah, um, and but- and it's it's called creative income, so it's not strictly filmmaking, but yeah, the economics of basically being a, a creative. Um, or a freelancer. And I actually had no idea you did, you studied economics when I asked you to be on the podcast. That actually blew my mind. It was like, yeah. wow, what are the odds? So that, that it's works funny. out. I feel like it was a useless uh, degree in that, you know, economics is all theoretical and no one really knows what the hell they're talking about. But uh-huh. I feel like it influenced me subconsciously. I think uh, I've made some good choices. Maybe I got lucky in terms of the investments I've made. Um, so, you know, it started for me with the Canon 7D, baby. Uh, wow, hey, it, was the, it was the T2i for me. <laughs> yeah, that and, and the original GoPro. Um, nice. so, so my first project was just kind of hustling. Uh, I studied abroad in Australia to do really is to study more economics, but my reason was to explore and to kind of start cultivating my new obsession with this with uh, filmmaking so I shot a, a scuba diving commercial and you know I wasn't even certified yet as a as a, I've never even scuba dived but I was just persistent <laughs> went in there like hey um, 
I, I've got this camera and it delivers 1080p. Um, <laughs> no way. 24 yeah. frames a second. <laughs> you know, so yeah, exactly. Uh, initially, they just paid Actually, me in, in diving. Um, wow. Sorry, go do ahead. You, do, you mind if we, do you mind if we back up just a little bit before that? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we go from economics degree to, to now you're studying abroad in, in Australia with a 7D Doing right. scuba diving. Yeah, so <laughs> like right. I, I'm trying to hear, figure out the disconnect there. Yeah, no, totally. You're right. I forgot to to put a little bit of a of the bridge there. Um, I just <laughs> initially, you know, I'm good at math, but I'm like, okay, I don't want to be sitting at a desk. Like probably most of the people listening here, it's not really something you're passionate about. So I just needed a way to satisfy uh, my itch to get out there. I like to be in the field. Um, I was just shooting music videos from my buds for free. Um, and there's my first music video I did for my buddy. Uh, it's called uh, Blunt Force by Chaluminati. Um, and <laughs> we put Wiz Khalifa diss in the, in the title as well, just to get more views. Um, no, you didn't. But yeah, but like I was, you know, we didn't have any money. And like I was, I would skateboard to class. So I would... I would do tracking shots on my skateboard, you know, with like the 11 to 16, uh, I think it was the Tokina. Tokina, yeah. Yeah, so I was doing like tracking shots on that. I had my buddy like literally pulling my skateboard with a rope so I could go, you know, from A to B while keeping my hands and my feet like stable and stuff. Uh, I was just so into it. And, you know, I guess you could say that was my first investment, just getting the 7D. Um, so I was really how, doing how that on the side. How did you make that happen? Because uh, the 7D was maybe like, I don't know, $1,700 or something like that. Yeah. And you know, another 500 bucks. So totally. how did that happen for you? Yeah. I mean, literally, I just did whatever I could. Uh, I worked at um, what's uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy John's at delivering Subway the, the sandwich to students. <laughs> yeah. And so I did that. And then I worked in the school library. So I saved up for that. And then like, and this is why you're getting your economics degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I also ended up getting a cinema studies degree, which because I was taking all my electives as like the limited amount of cinema courses they had. Um, So, you know, that's kind of like my background. Um, And that, that's really what started it. So So you got, you you got your 7d and your Tokina lens. From yep. working at Jimmy John's, for making sandwiches <laughs> for for other students at Jimmy John's. Exactly. Um, all right. Yeah. So then, where do we go from here? So you're making these cool little music videos, maybe skate videos or something like that. How do you start? Exactly. How do you start making money on this? You're you're doing it for free. Yeah. For your buddies so for yeah. Uh, when I was in Australia, uh, the first money job I had was, you know, and this is something I've like we all kind of know and we've learned, but it's still worth saying, like. No one's going to hand you anything, especially when you're a nobody, you know, when you're just starting out, no one cares about you. No one's going to give you a handout. So you just have, you kind of just have to chase after it. So I just, I approached the school and, and they had a program to get more uh, international students to the school. So, you know, kind of like the mic you were just describing to me before we rolled, just like a cheap USB mic that does a great job for what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. I had one of those. Oh, I think I had the, the Zoom H4n. That's what yes. I had, the Zoom H4n with a cheap mic. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I shot a video. It was kind of lame looking back, but I had so much fun at the time because I'm like, oh, I'm getting paid for this. You know, at the time they're giving me thousands of dollars, which was huge. 
Um, Were they really? That was your first paid job was thousands yeah. of dollars. How? Yeah. Uh, you you, you know, just got school, done saying that nobody hands you anything and here they are handing you thousands of dollars. I'm, what's happening? Yeah, what's happening? I just, I just went into the office. I was like, I think I had just uh, maybe a website with a couple of my music videos on it. Um, but also, you know, I think they were maybe sympathetic for me being an international student. And so maybe it's one of those by international students for international students kind of setups. Um, so I was just like filming students like myself, um, interviewing them. Hey, you know, what, what did you gain from this experience? Uh, how do you like it? How do you like Australia? How do you like the school? All that. And that was just, that was super easy, but that gave me more capital you know, and uh, with that, I bought like the iMac at the time and got uh, Final Cut Pro 7, big stuff Ooh, at the time. Big you stuff. Know? And yeah, so it, it initially just started just kind of hustling and just chasing any opportunity. I chased all kinds of other opportunities and almost all of them said no. What did, yeah. what did those opportunities look like? I'm, I'm curious, like who are you talking to? Do you remember like was you were on Craigslist? Were you on Facebook? Like what did that look like? How were you trying to chase down some of those first leads and contacts and jobs? Yeah, I mean, you know, initially it was just emailing blind, cold emails. Um that usually doesn't get you very far, but, you know, maybe 3% of the time you get a response and then that can get the most important, like anything is just getting your face, uh, face-to-face contact with this person. And then you can, yeah. if you are truly passionate about it, which if you're not like, you should probably find something else to do, uh, that kind of, that's, that's noticeable, you know, and that's that X factor that you can't really measure, but you can, you can sense, um, from, just sitting across from someone, you know, I'm hearing so, some economic language right now. I'm hearing measure. <laughs> I'm hearing 3% conversion. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely starting to sense some of that economics degree come out, come out right now. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. I couldn't tell you what I learned, but here I am, you know, making money as a filmmaker. Um, but, but yeah, so got a lot of no's, but eventually was able to, to walk in face to face with this guy Craig Randall with uh, called Remote Area Dives. Um, they didn't end up paying me financially, but because I'm so into adventure on a side note for myself, I got like 80 dives. Uh, when my family visited, they all came out and they got to wow. dive for free. We went on these remote islands uh, where we're diving like five times a day, sleeping there overnight. Um, so I would, you know, I would interview them on the land and then, uh, the GoPro I took with me was the original GoPro. They didn't even sell the flat housing so that you you don't have a distorted image underwater. So I kind of had to get like a, from what I remember, a third party housing system uh, to get clear images underwater. And like I even attempted to make a stabilized rig underwater similar to what I later ended up doing uh, is Steadicam operating, Steadicam, yeah. which I didn't know any, I didn't even know what that was at the time. But I built a rig out of like PVC pipe with essentially a gimbal, the GoPro at the top and a weight at the bottom and a hinge so that, you know, theoretically the gravity would kind of keep the horizon level. What I found out was that, and I didn't factor this in, is the resistance, the water resistance underwater would be kind of like catching the GoPro and 
it ended up being way more shaky. Like it works in the air, but underwater physics changes, you know? So <laughs> I experimented with that, but then realized, okay, the best route here is just literally to attach the GoPro to the end of this PVC pipe, take out all the nonsense with this articulating hinge. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my first rig and it allowed me to put the camera in, in cool places. That was before GoPro released like their 10,000 accessories that they sell now. Yeah. Um, 10,000 different models for sure. Right. So, you know, after I graduated from UPenn, I decided this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is not pursue economics. But filmmaking. <laughs> I don't so, care what it is, as long as I'm not pursuing economics for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I went to Chapman Film School, and uh, this is where my passion just grew exponentially because everyone in that school is just so, so into what they're doing. And um, to cut to the chase, uh, a friend of mine, Niels Lindelin, who's a steady cam operator in L.A., and uh, also a Trinity operator as well. Ooh, cool. He was selling his old Steadicam rig, um, the flyer, the Tiffin Flyer LE, which could s- support 24 pounds. Um, before that, uh, what's that? What's that cheap? It's like a man. It's, it's not. It's it, not Steadicam. The Glidecam. No. It's yeah, the Glidecam 2000. I was 2000, playing. My buddy yeah. had one of those, so I was playing with that. I was like, nice. this is awesome. So the next iteration is obviously like Steadicam. So uh, cool. I think when I met you and I and I met you probably, I don't know what, eight years ago now, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you were only a Steadicam operator. I only knew you as a Steadicam operator. Maybe you were DPing at the time too. And I don't know, there's like that weird thing where it's like, I'm working with a DP, so I don't tell them I'm a DP as well or something. I don't know. But yeah. Um, Right. Yeah, I remember that's, that. That's we did a commercial. Doing. I remember we, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was commercial. Yeah. It was at like a hotel or something. Um, something oh, like right. that. We did a couple. Yeah. Well, so we did, it? we did that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Commercial. We did a commercial at a hotel. It was for um, yeah. Intel. Yeah. That was cool. Something, something for Intel. <laughs> and then um, we also did another one, another commercial. I can't even remember we were advertising, but it was all like that high frame rate stuff. You know, it was just yeah. like everything was 240 frames a second. And we were at uh, Avenue 6 studios yeah. and like sounds about right sounds yeah, about right anyway. so yeah so that's like and then all of a sudden i i turn around for three seconds and i look back and you're like this big shot dp shooting all these crazy <laughs> music videos yeah so, it was a crazy so yeah, route we, you know yeah um we just covered a lot of ground so we'll have to i want to i want to definitely like figure out how it uh how it all happened so back back to the the flyer so how much right. do, you, do you remember how much you bought the flyer yeah for? i think it was like seven thousand dollars which was huge and like Mm-hmm. I didn't have that money at all. I had to, I had a meeting with my dad and, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, look, I need like $7,000 and you know, he's a hard ass in terms of, you know, he never, uh, he would never, <laughs> I, we like, I never ever bought new stuff, you know, yeah. uh, growing up, my first car was like a 1989 Jeep Grand Wagon Air, which was bitching, but needed some work done. <laughs> um, but like, so that translates into this. He's like, well, Hey, can you get it cheaper? Like all this stuff. Um, but also make a long story short, he gave me a loan. Uh, and, and that took off real quick because, um, number one, I had a lot of student films to work on and I, I would, it's crazy. <laughs> Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. 
I was just doing it for like basically for the basically working for free for the experience and be like three hundred dollar you know day rate. Um, yeah. But like I sucked, and you know, note to anyone who wants to be steady cam up, like you're gonna be awful for the first two years. Uh, you think two years? Just, you think it's a two year entry thing? Uh, now it's less because you have this you have this uh, device called the Volt that it's kind of like cheating. Uh, it kind mm-hmm. of like keeps your horizon level, which is the biggest obstacle uh, or the yeah. biggest way to tell if someone sucks. Um, but it, you know, it's way better to learn without that shit. So you, you have proper technique and, and you're not, you know, putting a bandaid on your shitty operating. You're actually getting better at operating. Um, awesome. but, but anyway, yeah. So when I got the, the, the flyer LE, it was a huge game changer. I, like, uh, people, you know, we know how much it costs, uh, for a proper steady op, like maybe 1500 for yeah, a day on the, on the low end for a commercial. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Definitely more, um, you know, several thousand dollars a day for sure. Um, especially if someone's yeah. good. Yeah. You're it's, it's, it's a, it's a cost. So I, I was kind of the guy that like, okay, um, he's willing to come out. He's passionate. Um, uh, and, and I'm gaining experience. So everybody wins. Maybe the production saves some money. But like I got out early on, I, I got I got to shoot One Direction and I didn't even know who they were at the time. It was so funny. Afterwards, wow. I, I found out, okay, the, oh, wow, those are those guys. Uh, <laughs> really I did big. the cam on like Schoolboy Cube, Man of the Year and like all these other videos. Um, and, you know, to get into the financials. I'm just, can I, can I just how to ask you how that happened? Like who's – Who's are people graduating? Are there cinematographers? Are there directors? Are they going? Oh, there's this guy and that I was with at school for a semester. Like, how does that happen? How do you su- suddenly find yourself on the set of like one of the biggest bands in the world? Uh, you know, it's it's totally one of those just word of mouth things. Like, uh, the guy who sold me my rig, Niels, he he actually hooked him up with a lot of a lot of these initially, uh, which is great because it's such a tight niche community mm-hmm. that. Like, and, you know, we both went to Chapman. We kind of have the same uh, ambitions and stuff like that. So he trusted me to, to recommend me to jobs he couldn't do and stuff like that. And then it just kind of the the branching, if you will, of the tree started to now I would have referrals and contacts from those people. So I didn't need his referrals necessarily at that point, um, which was awesome. And. You know, what What was really cool, you know, eventually this will lead up to me being a DP, but to get to that starting here at the time, uh, most people didn't have like wireless video or wireless follow focuses yet. Yeah, um, I remember. So it was like, yeah. So like, SDI I, you know, when I, I would all, forget it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like my philosophy was always to reinvest every cent that I made that I didn't have to spend on food and rent back into the gear. And so um, I still have a lot of the accessories that I had purchased then that I still use now. So granted, some things have changed. Like, you know, you need wireless video and wireless follow focus when you are when you have a steady op. So I bought right. like the original Paralynx Arrow, which was like this small like USB stick thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a BarTech that I got used for like, I don't know, a couple thousand bucks. And then I could, okay, now I could start charging rentals for those. So now I'm kind of 
escalating the returns, which is really cool. Um, and do you remember what you were charging uh, day rate for your your bar tech or the Paralinks? Yeah, I think it was like maybe like two hundred bucks each, or maybe like three fifty for both, or something like that. Like definitely so, so very com- competitive, but yes, but also like I mean, you spent probably for what four grand uh, for both of them, five grand for both of them. So yeah, like- but like the beauty is every single job I was on. It's like, okay, well, this guy already has this shit. I don't need to deal so with just it from him. the prep. But yeah. yeah, I don't need to deal with the prep at the rental house or like, is it not going to work and pair with, you know, his, his our cameras. Um, so, so, so that was great. So buying this stuff out of convenience for you and the production or are you buying it as another way to make money or some sort of combination of the two? It's a combination, which I think is like the sweet spot for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just it makes you a more valuable asset to the producer. And I think that's a really important takeaway is making the producer's job and the DP and director's job, uh, as easy as possible. One less thing for them to have to worry about. Right. One less COI, one less uh, stop for someone to pick up something at a rental house. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're charging them more money and they're grateful for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It's funny the way you frame that, but it's absolutely, it's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I had these accessories and like you said earlier, you know, I, I wanted to be a DP too. And, um, you know, there was definitely a period where I was doing both. I was most of my work was steady cam work, but like, passion projects I could you know I'd put myself in there like hey let me DP this uh another valuable asset is that now okay he can also bring the steady cam too you know um and so initially I was just like renting I had some other Chapman buds who had like the the red the uh what is it called the red uh the red epic MX with the MX uh, upgrade on it. Exactly. Yeah. So do that and just, um, and, and that was kind of eventually through, through all these jobs, this is the big, the big kind of turning point for me was like, okay, um, let me buy, I want to buy a used Alexa classic, the OG classic. I remember the day, man. Hey, but can I ask you how, how quick, how quickly you were able to pay off that loan that your dad gave you for the, the, yeah, it, it, it it totally happened. Like, I want to say just, uh, I want to say a couple months, maybe like five months in, you know, no way. So you had you had enough jobs coming in that you were able to mm-hmm. pay back that seven thousand dollar loan within five months. Yeah, yeah. So so that Did was. He charge awesome. you interest. Uh, he didn't charge me interest on this one. So he mm-hmm. was being a nice guy for me. That is nice. hooking yeah. me up for sure. Um, so yeah, but now it's like okay, I want to be a DP. Um, I remember at, at Chapman there was one Alexa body everyone always wanted it and like i mm-hmm. so I, rarely i had the opportunity to use it but i did and it's like okay this color science is unreal it's a fucking heavy camera but um for the few for the few people in the audience that aren't cinematographers can you briefly describe what alexa is and and what it did for cinema oh my god yeah it it kind of was the first camera that that turned people's heads to okay you don't need to shoot on film 
on celluloid film to get a cinematic look uh, because they just figured it out in terms of <laughs> the highlight roll off. It's really the highlight roll off, you know, uh-huh. where it goes again to those who don't, who aren't filmmaker or cinema cinematographers, like the things that are overexposed. Does it look like, okay, this is like a digital gap. Uh, where yeah, it's not, is it like, it, a, is it, yeah. is it like a, a smooth kind of seamless uh, transition into that? Or is it like you walk right off a cliff and then <laughs> you got nothing. So the Alexa was the kind of like the first camera that could give you that, that smooth roll off um, that and the color science. And like, I think one of the first films that was shot on at least major productions, I could be wrong, but was uh, Skyfall. Yeah. Um, shot by our, our boy, Roger Deakins. Our boy. Um, <laughs> the man. It's, it's only a 2K camera, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It shows that it's not about pixels. It's about quality of the pixels. Not yeah. to be too corny. The photo um, sites. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, this company that I would actually look into if you're not aware of it, it's called FJS International. Mm-hmm. It's just this dude who sells uh, cameras and lenses, all that. Yeah. kind of like that, you know, Lori Carson Broad- um, broadcast. Where else? Yeah, video broadcast. Where else? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's one of those guys. So he had a, a Alexa Classic for sale for like twenty thousand dollars. Do you remember um, what year this is? Because I, I bought my first classic for for thirty two thousand dollars, and and I and and the and I remember it just being like the most incredibly terrifying decision I ever made in my life. But um, yeah. do you remember what year it was that you bought that classic? Um, sheesh, maybe it was like two thousand sixteen, maybe. Okay, yeah, I was like all right. Because I bought my second Something classic like- in two thousand sixteen for twenty grand. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So the numbers yeah. add up. They do. Yeah. So, Checks out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when I bought that camera, it really changed the game. And as a DP, like, uh, I hate to say it, but you're not always hired for who you are as a DP, you know? Yep. Um, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm glad you said it actually. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, you know what, it's just kind of, it is what it is. Uh, but you can leverage that to your advantage and then shoot enough stuff where they're not hiring you for you to then prove yourself to the point where they do hire you for you. Um, so, so the problem with the Alexa classic, um, for those that don't know is it's a really big camera and with big cameras, a lot of things change, right? So you can no longer, um, your little crappy tripod doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah. Now you are limited to the types of lenses. You have to use pretty professional lenses because of the type of mount the camera has. Batteries change, the accessories yeah. change. So so you're not just $20,000 into a camera body. You're probably another at least 20000 in accessories. So what, what did that look like and how were you able to start paying for some of this stuff? Yeah, so that was actually the, the really nice beauty of my situation was um, I believe all I, Oh, I just adjusted my chair. Sorry. I believe <laughs> I just needed to get a tripod and batteries because as a steady wow. cam op, I was starting to buy accessories. And so my cost of entry in buying a camera was significantly less. Uh, what I didn't mention was I also bought a clip on Matbox box too. I think it was, <laughs> I bought the, uh, bright tangerine 
Misfit. Uh-huh. It was my yeah. first matte box. Because it's like, you know, on my first rig, the Flyer LE, like every gram was so important. I was almost always maxing out my the arm, the maximum weight. Um, I could, I actually was able to, to fly the Alexa on my Flyer. No um, way. Yeah, but like. Wow. Yeah, but it was like, okay, it's got to be a prime, you know, a prime lens that only weighs a couple pounds. Um, not going yeah. any studio matte box. I'm using my uh, my bright my bright tangerine clip on. I'm powering the camera from my sled. No onboard battery. Um, strip, you know, pulling every. So you were like exactly twenty four pounds. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So I'd, I'd pull off every metal bracket on the cage that wasn't needed. No top handle, all that stuff. Um, no EVF, obviously. Um, and yeah, just Bartek and this, this Paralynx that weighed only, you know, very little amount. So yeah, virtually all it, so all I needed was the tripod and, and the batteries. I think initially I was just renting a tripod for like 50 bucks. Um, and then eventually I got the, uh, O'Connor 2560, um, mm. or it's, is it 25? Yeah, I want to say 2560, which is a great, great tripod. And uh, shout out to uh, uh, Transylvania Film yes. Company. Love uh, those guys. My, my boy George <laughs> will hook you uh-huh. up with yeah, uh, really will. some B-stock, uh, yeah. you know, really, really good prices on any kind of a fluid head. So check that yeah, guy I out. Another, I just bought another 1030 DS, or 1030D, a D from them, yeah dope yeah 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 yeah. so um i think it's like something else we can talk about is like um i think i haven't really thought about how to how to talk about this but um so bear with me but you can get there's two trains of thought i feel like for buying gear you can get like the top of the line shit and that'll go out at a rental house um as you know, more purely as an investment, or you can kind of get like mid-level stuff that you're going to use yourself. Uh, but people aren't really going to want to rent from you, you know? Um, <laughs> okay. I've so done yeah, a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, yeah. You yeah. kind of done both, right? I've done a little bit of a hybrid of the both of both. Um, but like for whatever reason, rental houses just seem to carry the top of the line stuff for the most part, uh, the name brand stuff, like, you know, you have like the Teradek 2000 or whatever. That's like pretty much the only it's, they have a monopoly. It's crazy. You know, you go to a rental house for wireless video, it's going to be a Teradek, you know, but there's all these Chinese companies that basically do the same thing for like half or a third of the price. Um, so as an owner op, I was able to get, so, you know, the lower tier stuff that I felt like I could do the same job on. It's not going to um, affect the image at all. Right. So it's like all that accessory stuff that it's like, yeah. it's, as long as it's not the camera body or the glass, then if it works, it works. And people don't really care because they're not prepping. They don't really care if it's the Teradek 3000 yeah. or whatever, the top of the line stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's an, it's an important note for, for producers too. Like they really don't give a shit. Like, they just want to know, okay, you have, you know, wireless this, wireless that. You have lenses, you know. Is it gonna uh, is it gonna record an image and is it gonna look good? 
Yes, and it then is. Nails, and then that's so funny. The one thing they want to know is like, oh, does it shoot 4K? 4K, absolutely. Like, All right. Every time. <laughs> At the time, that wasn't a thing, though, when the when I was shooting on the yeah. Alexa. That wasn't right. a thing yet, you know. Uh, Thank you, but, Netflix. Yeah, thanks a lot, jerks. Yeah. It's so funny, these Netflix-approved cameras that suck. Yeah, and the Alexa like, Mini. The Alexa Mini is a not. It's not an an approved. Yeah. Netflix camera, and it's the right. it's the camera that shot. I mean, it shot like Black Panther. It shot all the Marvel films. Like, yeah. and it's not Netflix approved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fucking yeah. hilarious. Pardon my French. That's all right. Uh, Aren't you French, Pascal? Oui, absolument. Just be So there you go. You swear all you want. You've 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 yeah. you've earned it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so let's see, where was I with that? Um, yeah, so I had all these accessories that, that my cost of entry to the camera was, was relatively low. Um, and then to fast forward a little bit, you know, it worked out for me really, really well in terms of, of upgrading to the next camera. Um, and this is something that I think everyone can use is like, um, when you, when you look, when you're buying a new camera and you already have one, the cost of upgrading is only the difference between the it's purchase you. price of the new camera and the sale price of your old camera, right? Hmm. So, like, it can be intimidating. I think the I bought my Alexa Mini. I can't remember. Uh, I got it used. Maybe okay. it was like fifty grand or something. I think it was a little bit under fifty grand. Yeah, yeah, but I had you know, like I said, every everything that I was making, I was I was saving because I like I know I'm a, I'm gonna want to keep upgrading and riding that technological edge. So I sell my classic and buy the mini, and then uh, when the LF came out, I sold the you, mini. Did you finance the mini or did you buy it with cash? Just cash, straight up. Maybe that's straight dumb. up cash. But, no, I, don't know. I think cash I think starting king. out, man, cash is king, and I that is actually the advice. That I, I have a, f- a different feeling about cash these days. I think that uh, financing there's a, there's a really valuable place in financing once you get pretty established. But I have I have a couple of questions. Um, jumping back, yeah. so my my thought, you know, is I knew you as a steady cam operator, not as a DP. What happens when all your clientele starts calling for you to steady cam and? Did you have to start saying, "Oh, I don't do that anymore. I'm just a DP." How did that? What did that transition look like? And yeah, and was it a difficult transition for you? Yeah, no, it it, it wasn't a difficult transition. Um, to answer that question, I would basically I would take the work um, if I was available, but mm-hmm. it's you know this is where kind of the economics uh, and your goals don't necessarily line up. When it's like, okay, uh, is this commercial? I'll make $2,000 on, you know, uh, or I have a passion project that I can DP and maybe I won't make as much. Uh, but you might make, you know, or the commercial, maybe, maybe better example is, yeah, maybe make four or five grand on the commercial, um, or maybe make 2000 or 3000, uh, on a passion project where, I'm the DP on, you know, and I would always pick, I would always pick the DP work over the steady cam work uh, when I had mm-hmm. to m- make that choice. But I also kept my doors open um, because the other beautiful thing is like, 
as a steady cam op, those skills do translate into DP work. I mean, hmm. I love to operate when I'm DPing, you know, I think like a lot of us. Um, yep. I want to hear Same. your, yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, you just, there's certain things you just cannot translate. Um, no, no. And, and, you know, and preferences even, you know, so, so an operator is going to have a different framing preference than I do. You know, they're going to, they're going to chop off hair a certain way that I, that I just don't really connect with and, and communicating it. You can't, I mean, yes, I can communicate it all day long, but if it's a preference of theirs, they're always going to gravitate to it either subconsciously or consciously. And, like, and so, yeah, exactly. I, I very much prefer to just have hands on camera. I love single cam yeah. shows. That's like, exactly. that's where I, I feel most confident. Yeah. Right. And I think obviously the exception mm-hmm. to that is like, if it's multi-cam and you know, you don't want to be not seeing the yeah. other images. And you got to be a monitor with director. Although what I've done in the past, uh, particularly <laughs> when like the, <laughs> the producers can't afford another operator, it's uh-huh. a cool system is like put a little receiver Yep. <laughs> put a Teradek receiver on your camera so you're 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 there, you know. Yep. Ideally, you, you have a text. <laughs> pump system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like oh man, you and I both, but, dude. I've done I've done the exact same thing. But I have blown it before when I'm like looking at their image and then the guy I'm framing up like adjusts and they're like maybe they sit down or stand up and I miss it because I'm looking at you're looking the, at the other, other image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. It usually doesn't happen though, but it, that can happen. <laughs> so it's not a perfect system, but it can get you through it. Um, so, so yeah, we still haven't quite. I haven't quite figured out how you go from like how are you finding these clients? How are you making money, dude? Like I, I haven't I haven't connected that dot yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. is it just hustle? Is it just like reaching out to people constantly? Like is it just doing stellar work going above and beyond combinations? Like top, what are you doing to make people go, "Pascal, I like that guy. I will pay him whatever he asks for." Yeah, you know, um part of it is like I don't I don't ever want to be stealing clients from people or like you know, uh, I want to keep my relationship with my DPs as a steady cam op, but also like, I'm not hiding the fact that I'm not a deep, that I'm, that I'm a DP too. So it, it sometimes it's like, you know, uh, direct, just people who I've worked with, maybe I was just a steady cam op. Like they'll hit me up later and be like, you know, I think you're a great fit for this project. Um, and so, uh, but I, I think I would I would I would always be at a certain point I was really pushing more as a DP and more and and taking steady cam work but but really like hustling and and seeking out and uh, DP work and kind of like staying in close contact with uh, you know other people other other filmmakers maybe from Chapman who I had done short films with and. Um, and yeah, it, it, I think it's, it's a weird thing. Cause it's not like, it's, it's difficult to say this is the magic bullet. I feel like it, it comes from a lot of different angles, but I think you just have like, nothing's handed to you. You just have to keep hustling and, and stay in touch with people who you think are winners. And, and, uh, and, and I always say, look, just give me a meeting with the director and, and let me pitch some ideas, you know, and, and cool. I want to, I want to tell you why I think I can be a valuable asset to the team, you know, and I also happen to have an Alexa, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, 
well, maybe that is the the factor that kind of breaks the tie between you and somebody else. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's been, yeah. I know it has been in my case for sure. Yeah, like for sure. The, yeah. the reality is like, and, and I, and I tell people also all the time, I won't say it for you cause I think you're, you're super talented, but I'm a dime a dozen like in this town. I really am. You know, it's like, there's a lot of really talented cinematographers in Los Angeles and, uh, and, yeah, and sometimes, and sometimes, well, thank you, man. You too. Sometimes <laughs> the difference is, is owning a, like a, that, that extra lens set or that truck or whatever. It's just like that, that might add that just teeny bit of an edge. And they're like, well, cool. Yeah. It's one COI. It's easier for us. And this might be a little bit cheaper. Let's go with him. Right. Exactly. So, um, how did you know what to charge? You know, I, I know that now you're probably charging great rates, but like, were you at the time just like, what do you have? Like, what, what did that look like? Yeah. So that's, it's a great question. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things with producers, you know, got a love and hate thing with producers, right? Cause they want to, you want to, you want to make as much as you can. Yeah. You wanna, exactly. Yeah. The standoff. Exactly. The you want to make as much as you can. They want to pay you as little as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you have like a, a true, like, friendly if they're a friend like in a personal note then they're not going to screw you but it's like i would initially i would just i would try to just i think what it is 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 packaging yourself with like a group kind of almost a flat rate um yeah with you and your gear so that it's more financially attractive for them and you know you're still making more money yourself um but i would say like don't pigeonhole you still, yourself. You separate, you separate it a little bit, right? So you're like, here's my day rate. And exactly. then here's my, here's like my camera package or camera body. And then you, you can choose the lens pack. Here's a couple of lens options. For exactly. You, like I, I would say this, like, don't, don't get into that. Exactly. Like you just said, you want to do, you do want to separate the two for a multitude of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, talking about like financially speaking, I try to put, I try to say, okay, this is a package price for the two. I want to put most of it on the rentals for tax reasons. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But on the other hand of it, it's like, all right, then you might not make as much in overtime. But I still think that you're better off charging, uh, breaking it up mostly you, in rentals. Are you, are you comfortable talking about um, the tax advantage of, of having something show up as a 1099 rental instead of um, not employing compensation? I'll be honest with you. I am horrible at doing taxes and I'm, and yeah, I'm behind too. on it. So like, <laughs> I, I just, not... exten- I just extended, I, I just got it all submitted yesterday. It's, it's what uh, the, the 12th or 13th today. Yeah. 13th of September. <laughs> so just got all <laughs> yeah. But like, yesterday. you know, oh. from what I understand is like, if it's a rental, then you can kind of like, you can write that off with future purchases and stuff like that. Whereas yeah, labor it's, it's, you know, it's, more challenging to do that yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna without, have my cpa on the podcast actually and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask him all these questions yeah uh, yeah because these are questions that i even still have like i'm gonna want to listen to yeah. that one yeah so you got it, man. thanks yeah thanks in advance for for doing yeah. that um but yeah it's 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 important to break up the two and and also you know something to look out for is like producers giving you their version of a rental agreement. And I'm always like, no, you're, you're signing my version. You know, don't treat mm. me any differently than a rental house because you know, they're going to like, 
without you hoping you don't notice is like take off certain things like, okay, what if uh, you don't pay me on time? What about like it's got to include portal to portal, you know, transporting the gear to and from like it all has to be included if something happens, God forbid. Um, it's all taken you know, care of. Your COIs are good. Do you yeah, do you bring it to set yourself, or do you do you have your AC or something come out like the day before and prep everything and then and then take it in, the, in a camera pro, uh, production van or something like that? Yeah. So, you know, I actually have never had my camera gear at a rental house, um, which I think is going to change when I get the Alexa thirty five because this is. Yeah, that I'm gonna park that one at a rental house. But, so you've never you've never consigned any of your gear. Um, no. I mean, I've had it on like ShareGrid and stuff. Um, wow, that's had a relationship with. Yeah, had a relationship with Red Letter where if they needed one, like I'll bring it over to them, but I'm not gonna leave it okay. there just like indefinitely, okay. you know? Because I wanna. Cool. I just like, I like to have the option to just go out on a job at any moment's notice without having to be like, Hey, is my camera available? It's like, no, I want bitch. I want this camera it's for me. Cause it's my camera. It's my, ca- <laughs> it's my camera. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's worked out for me. And that's another advantage for the producers. It's like, I'm going to just have it prepped. And like, it also saves time on set. Cause like, I don't, mm-hmm. I've, I, I'm always annoyed at like, having to build the camera and then tear it down just to build it again the next day. So I like, I just kind of, I kind of keep my camera built, you know, and like, I just have a soft case for it. So it's like, it's so easy. Everything works. I know I have all the cables. I don't know. I'm not going to show up on set, you know, when I, and that's, this has happened to all of us where you start building a camera and it's like, Oh shit, we're missing this bracket. We don't have, you know, this, uh, this cable Touching or whatever. Or, yeah. Something it's like, Oh yeah. no, we no, don't have the steady cam stabilizer plate, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's just a win-win for everybody. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so a lot of times I'll actually just like seed belt my camera into the front, <laughs> the passenger seat. Insane. That's what I do on, on films. Anytime I'm on a film, we'll build it once like the night before the day before. And then I just, we just keep it built for the run of the show and, and we just transport it to and from set and a seat belt. That's right. Okay, hey, it works great. It's good enough for humans. It's good enough for my camera. That's you know right. what I mean. Yeah, the seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so do you still have you not financed any of your purchases to the state, even your Lexus Mini LF or your none lenses? Of it. Like I've, I've always just saved my money, knowing, like you know, Ari does a good job of letting you know, hey, we're releasing this camera in a year or two years or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, for the last year, I've had my bank account just like sitting with a good chunk of cash, so <laughs> so That's that awesome. I can, you, so I can buy really the incredible. yeah. Thanks. Maybe it's a dumb choice because maybe I could have invested that money into something else. But like, you know, well, uh, I just I say I like if, you're, if you know what you're looking to invest into, then don't put it in the stock market, right? So it's like if you if you're planning on making any kind of purchase in the next four or five years stock market's not really a safe or sure bet um so yeah, yeah i think it makes sense if you know that ari's coming out with a 35 alexa 35 then and it's going to be about 100 grand yeah we should probably right. save a hundred thousand dollars over the next exactly. year and 
image by its camera. Because your 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 return on investment on this Alexa thirty five is going to be more than the eight percent the stock market. Exactly. That's like exactly like one hundred percent. I I think there is absolutely even if everybody in the entire world buys one of these cameras and the market's completely oversaturated and the rental rate goes from 1500 a day all the way down to 800. It doesn't matter. Your ROI on this camera is going to be more than 8%. It's probably going to be in the 35 to 50% range. Exactly. It's like, look at it, just break it down into the math. Um, you know, let's say the camera's a hundred grand. If I make, you know, Without factoring in depreciation, if I make $8,000 in rental this year, then that uh, already <laughs> is equal to what I would have made. 8%. In, and, here's, and here's the punchline. You're going to make more than $8,000 on this camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's, there's, there we go. Like, my, yeah, you'll probably make fifty to 75000 a year on this camera. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the shit. No one's going to want to use yeah. another camera. Um, granted, there's... Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. We did talk offline about, you know, the full frame Alexa LF uh, <laughs> versus the Alexa 35. I think there's a yeah. strong case for, for using the LF as well. But with that being said, like the Alexa 35 is dope AF. It's dope. So, it's super cool, man. It's dope I'm AF, yeah. For it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. And, you know, frankly, you know, we all know – uh, Aerie is the Toyota of cameras. Can I say that? Uh, in terms of <laughs> they hold their value, right? They, <laughs> they, they hold their value. So, yeah, exactly. There you go. I was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah. Canon was the Toyota of cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, so they do. They, they hold their value. Yeah. I think, you know, I bet, honestly, if I were to sell my Alexa 35 in a year, I could probably get the exact same back for it because they're so bad. I could ordered. get. I could. I bought my my Alexa Mini LF when they first announced it. Uh, mm-hmm. All in, it was about seventy five thousand dollars. Yep. And since then, we had a pandemic. We had global supply shortages. Yep. We had all sorts of things. The value went up. They are charging more for that same camera. I could sell that camera today yep. for about seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah. Like for exactly yeah. what I paid for, and this is two and a half years later. That's amazing. And, and I and yeah. I pay that camera off in about a year and a half, a year and a half yeah. to two years. So it's like so so that is yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. So I I, uh, I agree with you, it's gonna hold its value. It's a beautiful thing and you know, bless your soul if you're a, a red shooter and stuff. I mean, oh they're God. all great oh cameras, but you know what? Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry for you about uh, your your high yeah. depreciation on those cameras because every six oh, yeah. months it's a new, new version camera. and now your mm-hmm. camera is a little bit more obsolete than it was before. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I got a little bit lucky in, in, in going, being an Aerie fanboy and just kind of selecting that route. Uh, not just, I remember, I, I remember man, the very first time I saw an Alexa image, cause I had a red Epic before as well. Yeah. I was a, I was a red, red guy and cool. I, and I went on a commercial. I was a, a, probably even a second AC on it. I was like, wow, I was at art center at school. And I just, I remember setting up the camera. I was the first AC, that's right. So I set up, I built this camera and turned it on and just looked at this image without any lights at all. And I just thought, uh oh, <laughs> like this looks better than anything I've lit on a red. Like I'm in trouble, man. Like that's bad news. And it was like from that moment forward, I was like, I'm Ari. I'm Ari all day. Yeah. That's when the director walks past you. I love what you've done. You're like, wait, I haven't yeah. even. 
I haven't yet, done actually. anything. <laughs> haven't exactly. done anything. All right, well, uh, that's a good good sign when that happens. <laughs> exactly. So, what all do you own now? You've got you you've got an Alexa Mini LF. You've got yep. the Alexa thirty five coming. What lenses do you own? You know, um, I uh, I did have the Tokina Vista primes and mm-hmm. the Sigma primes, and this is like going back into what I was talking about earlier with like having mid level stuff that yeah. people producers really don't care about uh as long as you can make do good work with it uh i yep. actually i did actually sell both of those as a way to to finance the upcoming uh alexa 35 which hopefully i get this month i know i'm like top 10 with hot rod cameras right now uh hopefully the next batch. And Ilya. they're awesome oh my god yeah best camera house in in the world it, by it really is man they should be we should we should have them be a sponsor of the podcast of the of the 400 <laughs> listeners on the podcast <laughs> just because <laughs> they're they're so great they're so great they're amazing yeah. they you know i knew i met Ilya like when he when i was in chapman and he had a very small camera shop in hollywood and like really tiny shop but like what i was so impressed by was Ilya's knowledge of of liter mm-hmm. of the science of everything he's he's the most knowledgeable and smartest person i know in the tech side of camera gear and so like yeah. he would i would talk to him for hours you know and he would give me his deep inside knowledge on all this stuff and like so i just became a diehard loyal fan of this guy uh and also it's just smart as an investor so this does loop back into the investment uh it's not just a full tangent he you know he would Hot rod cameras would would call the manufacturers if you know you needed something serviced or you you need a part that that's not you know for sale at the big houses and and they would actually because and they would they would follow up and get and get things done for you the little guy um, yep because they're like a person to person business and it's not just like this bureaucratic system like at B&H or it's like okay I don't care about you it's not in stock good luck you know I just got the the full frame cook pancro lenses mm-hmm. um, through hot rod and oh, the only reason I think I'm the only person in Los Angeles that has a set right now um, because of hot rod like they they're the ones on the phone with cook all the time going hey man like you you guys said February it's now July like what's going on and, and finally, the I guess the problem was they just couldn't make the 18 as fast as they thought they could. So they, Lisa was the one that finally said, we'll take a partial. So I have six of the seven lenses, and there I think go. I'm the only one because they were the ones that were able to communicate that. So I, I have huge respect uh, and yeah. appreciation for Hot Rod. What's your widest? Is so, it a 25 right now? 25. Yeah, so full frame. Yeah, and I mean, so on a full frame, that's pretty plenty good. wide. That's like an 18 on a wide. Super 35, let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so it's yeah, twenty five through um, one thirty five for right now. I got six awesome, of them, dude. and they're they're really cool, dude. So oh, I'm, I'm hoping they, they're at, uh, they're old, old fast glass. You should, uh, uh, yeah. you should check them out through Mark. Yep. Yeah, Mark Lafleur, so, shout out. I just used yeah. his Nikon AISs in the last feature I shot. Woo. These lenses are so sweet, so sweet. Awesome. Uh, zero optic and lots of, lots of free shout outs today. That's great. I <laughs> yeah, love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's see, uh, the Alexa 35, um, yeah, I'm going to park, I, I, park that one at red letter. So, uh, funny okay. side story. I, call, 
<laughs> I was I was gonna have it at Kessler. Um, they're like, yeah, we we have thirty five Alexa thirty fives on order. We're gonna rent our nope. cameras before yours. I'm like, all right, click. Good talking to you. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So no, it's yeah. for that is a great point actually for for anybody that's kind of own op owner op that's like looking to, to park and can, you know consign some of their equipment. Do your research, you know, so, something like Kessel. I think Kessel is probably a great house and they are great to their clients, I'm sure. Um, consignment, not so much. It, it would it would be they're going to take care of their their own stuff first, which makes sense business wise. But maybe find a, a more boutique, smaller house that uh, might make a little bit more sense to consign your equipment with. So. Yeah. Oh, I had one other note to pass on. I think yep. a really important one is like if there's oh and this is also a really good takeaway that connects back to hot rod cameras is um when there's a new piece of gear that's coming out that's going to be super hot like let's say the alexa 35 or whatever um what's really cool about hot rods and what i recommend to to all of you if you want to buy gear to invest is like put your order in before they announce the official sale Right, because there's gonna be there's gonna be enough buzz. People are gonna kind of know what's coming down the pike. Yep. Yeah, because like it, right now, if you order an Alexa 35, my friend actually a couple months ago, he he asked them, and they said October of next year. And at that <laughs> point, like the market is gonna be kind of let's say saturated for lack of a better word, and you're not gonna be able to have any, uh, you're not gonna have any leverage in getting your camera at the top of the list at rental houses. Yeah. So like I yeah. put, I should have put mine in earlier, but I, I put my order in a couple months before the official announcement. So, you know, Hot Rod, I think had like probably at least several hundred uh, orders, pre-orders. And I was like top 20 on the list. So that's crazy. You know, I think I'm in a good position to be like, you know, getting my camera rented out consistently from a, uh, 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 red letter or if I, if it goes somewhere else to be earlier on the Do you list. Still, so. Did you keep your Alexa, your mini left? I still have it. Um, you going to sell I it? Actually, I have enough funding now where I don't need to sell it per se when I buy keep the it. Alexa. Look, yeah, if you're going to park, if you're going to park your 35 at red letter, this will, this will open up doors for you. Now you're going to be able to choose again. Right. But it's a little bit different from steady cam to DP. Now you're going to be able to choose Hey, here's this low budget passion project. I can get the mini LF on that one. And yeah, no, <laughs> How seriously. funny is that? Fuck yeah. yeah. If, I, if now yeah, I, I still budget. have the LF for a low budget passion project, hell yeah. You know? Exactly. Well, and it's like, and, and, uh, and there's going to be times where you're going to, you're going to hit up red letter and you're going to be like, Hey, is my, is my 35 available? And they're going to say, no, it's out for a month. And you're going to say greatest news of all time. It's going to yeah. be a month long rental. Yeah, production. I'm going to bring my, my mini LF, and you're going to be able to kind of juggle those now. Yeah, that'd and, be super uh, cool. and so sure. it's just kind of like it just introduces more income opportunities for you. So exactly. So sweet man. Well, hey, do you have any do you have any advice for anybody starting out uh, in the film industry or the creative fields? What's your What's your one piece of advice? Yeah, um, I haven't thought about this, but I would just say, really, just try not to chase if you can like if you don't have a family you know and you're able to prioritize creative over finance um that's awesome 
um, and and really just ch- chase after every lead that you can. Um, with that being said, I feel like we've talked about a lot of ways, and this is the best scenario where you can actually do both at the same time. You know, like we were talking about win-win situations where you the producer wins, they save money, you make more money, and you can go all out creatively in that regard. So, um, man, yeah, I don't, I don't have a really good takeaway, but I would just say, um, you know, we're in this business to be artists. And so don't let anything take that away from you. I don't know. Um, yeah, I got <laughs> no, it. Sorry. Just commit, commit Pascal. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just chase don't, don't your let anybody take that away from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just chase the shit out of it, man. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, exactly. and don't, and, I don't know. Find, try to find a good. Me- I, I think it's important to to have a mentor, but also to be a mentor to someone else because I feel like you learn a lot by by Interesting. when someone asks you something, then you you look at it in a fresh light, and and maybe you you discover uh, a, a new facet of, of it by just by the sheer virtue of you explaining it to someone else. Um, so I think it's, it's cool. Like I've had some people reach out to me on Instagram, like, Hey, can I shadow you on this or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I, it ends up making me, I can think more methodically about my job when I have to, or when I, when I get to explain what I'm doing to some, to, mm-hmm. to someone else who's trying to learn it. So yeah. Will you be my mentor, Pascal? Can I come shadow only you if, on something? Only, only if you're my mentor. <laughs> You got it, man. Hey, let's. Uh, I, I like it. Sounds great, actually. <laughs> yeah, and and also just like like what we were just saying now, which is totally true, is having peers that like. I I know a couple other owner ops like myself, and like we'll pass each other, you know, jobs or like rent each other's cameras and stuff, yeah. and it's like it's it's just it's great when you have like this network of friends to to hook you up, and to hook them up. So absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's it's dope. But anyway, that's all I have. I'm gonna stop rambling. Thank you no, so much. Dude, for having thank me you on so this. much for being on. I appreciate it. Let's go mountain biking soon. It's my first podcast, so thanks for putting me through the ringer. And yeah, I'm excited to go mountain biking with you, dude. Um we'll have to hit up Big Bear, maybe Whistler, uh, when I can get my get over there. <laughs> it's it's the best. We'll probably have to be next year because I think they're about their season's about over. But uh, Big Bear, I think we we've got a couple more weeks on. So snowboarding Let's perhaps. Make it happen. Oh, yeah. you know what? You can show me the ropes. I, I, I've only skied <laughs> like, like three times, so I'm not, I'm not good at snowboarding, but, but, uh, I could come skiing with you guys. If you don't feel like that, I'd be like too much of a nerd to hang out with a couple of snowboarders. Are you kidding me, dude? I love talking about this shit. Let's, let's keep doing <laughs> you it. You got it. You got it, man. Oh. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. Have a great day. All right. Thanks guys for sticking around. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the love, all the shares for the podcast. Please, if you haven't done so already, um, hit me up on Instagram or, or if you've got my number, shoot me a text. Uh, I want to know what you're getting out of the podcast, what you're thinking about it. Um, or if you have any guests that you'd like to be on specifically, send me those recommendations. I'd love to hear from you guys. All right. We'll, we'll see you next time.